0: It's really easy to be siloed and to kind of get into routine and stick to that routine. And so I think part of it is we have to have a little bit of a a culture shift and change into proactively kind of going out of our way to think about sharing information or bringing other people into the conversation.
1: Let's discover the Cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem. We are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them welcome to the lay of the land podcast where we're exploring what people are building in the Clee. i am jeffrey stern here with my fellow cartographer the taken
2: and we're coming to you live from cleveland today we'll be speaking with carrie murphy who knows all about what people are building in cleveland as venture for america's senior director of community partnerships Because you are from Cleveland, how does it feel to work in a city you grew up in?
0: Yeah, it feels good. I mean, I had a great experience growing up in Cleveland, you know, loved the community and friends that I built and the life that I had when I graduated college. I don't know that I expected to be back in Cleveland or, or to be having the career that I have now, but it's been rewarding to Come back to a city after working in New York City for a while where I really feel like I can hopefully have an impact on a city that I love and, and also being able to be in a place where I feel like I can really grow and take care of my family and hopefully create the same, you know, life that I was afforded
2: to, um, for my daughter. That's amazing. And the boomerang effect seems to be common in Cleveland. What made you come back? There were a couple things that made me come back to be like
0: felt like the city was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, so that was really what started to drive the itch to think about moving back. I don't think it was like one specific trigger, and it wasn't like there was a job opportunity or a huge life moment. <laughs> you know, eventually we kind of made this decision based off of our lease being up, but. That, but It all started when my husband and I were planning our wedding back in 2014, and every time was the date. So ironically, or not ironically, but my husband and I decided to move back to Cleveland without jobs in Cleveland. Um, And I would come back to Cleveland because we got married in Cleveland. We were living in New York at the time. I just felt like a happier person when I was home. He quit his job, and I was able to continue working remotely, but we just took the risk. We made the move and fortunately we both were able to find really great jobs fairly shortly after moving. It was easier to be outside and explain you know, had more space in a home and could drive a car and then regret doing it.
2: Nice. You came back and you really took over the city and now you are really what I would call a community connector. Can you explain what that is? <laughs> sure.
0: So I, I, you know there's absolutely a part of my job that is right now about kind of connecting different people in the community. And I think if I had to describe my view of what a community connector is, you know it's someone who has a give first mentality and and really, I kind of like to take the approach of doing and having the mentality to do whatever it might be to help others succeed, even if there might not be, a direct benefit for myself and I think that's something too that I find a lot of reward and satisfaction in being able to help connect two people that might not have otherwise met and could create a great partnership or find a new job or a new friend or whatever it might be. So that's kind of how I would describe being a community connector and obviously with, with VFA now and and bringing young professionals to Cleveland and finding ways to connect them to new careers new organizations to get involved in new mentors things like that is really rewarding work
1: yeah could you take that community connector concept and and kind of root it in venture for America and and your role as the senior director for community partnerships?
0: yeah sure so venture for America for those not aware as a fellowship program for recent college graduates who are interested in entrepreneurship and, you know, have a, a goal one day to either start their own company or become leaders um, in organizations that are going to have economic impacts and, and and be able to really create a lot of opportunity in cities like Cleveland. Um, so my role on our community partnerships team based in Cleveland and really is about, building partnerships with potential funders and supporters and people from a philanthropic standpoint, given that we are a nonprofit, are also aligned with our mission and want to help support our organization and and kind of getting them involved in our work here locally. I also spend time getting to know a lot of the different startups in the Cleveland community and, and Venture for America is an opportunity for them to have access to Talent That can really hopefully help them scale and grow their businesses and be 10x multipliers for, for their organizations and really try to be a thought partner and a connector for those businesses as well who are navigating all of the different highs and lows and challenges when it comes to growing businesses. And then the third major part of my job is you know fellow support and programming here locally for our fellows who come to the city and helping them be able to navigate life in their first job, life in a city that they've never been to. For many of them, Cleveland is a new home, as well as you know, finding different ways and events for them to continue to build a community amongst each other, but also get connected to the Cleveland ecosystem that they can build meaningful relationships themselves.
2: Yeah, and to be a community connector, you have to be connected to the community. And for VFA, how do you find your partners and how do you make those connections? So, you know, I think my
0: prior life to VFA, I was in HR and more specifically spent a lot of time in talent acquisition and recruiting. So I've spent a lot of time talking to a lot of different people and and there's just contacts and connections that I've been able to maintain those relationships with. And I think a lot of it is about being present and involved and engaged in the community. It's obviously really challenging and and different now with COVID and not being able to have in-person events like we used to, but a lot of it's about taking the time to be present and to meet other people and and making myself available for for those conversations
2: yes and it seems like cleveland is a great friend of vfa as the accelerator was here last year and planned to be here this year but of course COVID 19 had different ideas (laughs) but why was cleveland vfa's favorite as we'll call it
0: Venture for America does run a four-month residential accelerator program for our alumni who have a business concept that they're ready to go full-time working on. And so really, it started as an opportunity to give new founders time and space to start building their companies. And in that accelerator, we help provide stipends to cover the cost of food and housing and things that when you start a new company you don't necessarily you're not generating revenue and you might not have funding and so having a little bit of air cover can really help get your business off the ground and over the years we've built a curriculum in which whatever city the accelerator is based um, we have local subject matter experts and founders and individuals kind of help teach and become mentors as part of the accelerator And so in the fifth year of the Accelerator's existence, we were looking to bring it to a new city. And we actually, Ohio Third Frontier is a supporter of Cleveland, and they had given us funding to be able to bring the Accelerator to the state of Ohio. There are, Venture for America in three cities in Ohio, Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. So at the end of 2018, we actually launched an RFP process um, across all three cities to see hey, we're bringing our accelerator to the state of Ohio. Um, These are the three cities, these are the things that we're looking for and that we need in order to run a successful program. What's what's the best you got (laughs) ultimately? And through that RFP process, we had really, really great partners. We did a lot of work with Dart and Clee, and we had several. I think the first meeting we had probably about 25 different people from the ecosystem to kind of talk about what are the things that we could pull together as a community to help make this possible and to, to, to show to, to Venture for America that we want this. And ultimately, Cleveland ended up winning the RFP process that so we brought the accelerator to Cleveland in 2019, which was really, really great and exciting.
2: Yes, and and an accelerator is a great place to make connections. So what connections has the VFA accelerator brought for companies that participate?
0: I mean, there are so many different members from the ecosystem who are involved in our accelerator. So we had, you know, we do sessions to meet with different investors and to do mock interviews. And so we've had, you know, Todd Fetterman from North Coast that joined and Linan and Greece and several other investors to help provide some coaching um, there. and And also, you know, we've had during our, another example, during our demo night, which is at the end of the accelerator program, we actually had one of our accelerator companies who at the time was started and founded in San Antonio, but one of the founders is a Case Western graduate, and one of his professors, Scott Shane, happened to be in the room and watched him. They reconnected, and now Scott Shane is an investor um, in their organization, and Ryan Cleary has, and FloatMe has now gone through the G-Beta Accelerator here in Cleveland in their first cohort, so you know, there's been a lot of ability for companies going through the Accelerator here, being able to get further connected into the Cleveland ecosystem, another example um, gather another one of the fellow founded companies that went through the accelerator last year. Is now based in Cleveland, one of the judges for our pitch competition, who is the chief of staff at insight to profit really liked their business concept and was willing to be a, a beta, you know, pilot customer for them. And so, you know, it's been able to help businesses get connected to potential mentors, to potential customers, to potential investors, all the different things that you need in order to be able to grow a business.
2: It's crazy that you mentioned quote me and gather uh, because the accelerator is for VFA companies across cities, um, but those are both. Cleveland companies. So I will say Float Me was not a Cleveland company until the accelerator. So Oh wow. Um, I guess the accelerator <laughs> changes things. <laughs> it can have that effect. Yeah, I think that can um really relate to the brain drain, actually.
1: So I guess with uh I and mean, COVID is like the, the purple elephant in the <laughs> in the room at the moment, but the the effect that it's having on at least anecdotally, people, you know, exoduses from larger cities, uh, the rise of remote work, people living at home with their parents, just for context, you know, Taken and myself are also Venture for America fellows for everyone listening. But one of the ideas that Venture for America originally sought out to address was this idea of the brain drain. And so I would love to hear your perspective just on it as a topic and, and expand upon it. And then, you know, why was it important to VFA and and how do you think that is coming into play now and how is COVID kind of affecting that?
0: You know, I think there is there was a huge trend in a lot of particularly recent bachelor degree talent as they were, you know, graduating school, going to the coasts and going to a lot of the bigger cities. And that was creating a problem for cities in the Midwest. And in the South, and middle of America, who are having a much, much harder time retaining young professional talent, that's really critical to the growth and long-term sustainability of any business. Whether you're talking about your big Fortune 500 organizations, your manufacturing companies, or your startups. You need to make sure you're continuously building that talent pipeline. And so it was certainly a big issue. And I, I even remember when I graduated from, from college, the number of young professionals that were moving back and and starting their careers in Cleveland was significantly lower than I wanted to say. I don't have like the actual data points, but I even just remember reading stats recently about downtown being, you know, at close to a hundred percent capacity. And we've already, and we've been building new apartment buildings and things that like, that was not the case a while ago, but I think that the the hope was the population
1: downtown, I think has doubled over the past decade.
0: Yeah. And I think the hope and, you know, with venture for America is not only recognizing the brain drain and the, the need for that talent, but also recognizing the impact that, A growing startup can have on a community in a city, and that the two combined can really have a positive effect on on those cities. And that's where this this combination of being able to bring the best and the brightest of our recent graduates to cities like Cleveland and help them launch careers and have the ability to build businesses and create economic opportunity in our city is is really important. And that's kind of where it it stemmed. And as you mentioned, like with COVID and, and now there's obviously, and I think this is even happening before COVID there's more of a, the, the cost of, of living is so significantly high and outrageous in, in some of these larger cities that there is definitely starting to be a trend where, where individuals are, are thinking twice and considering moving back to the city where they maybe once grew up or in, in a different place where there's, you know, some other benefits outside of just the job that they have. I think COVID is forcing companies to realize that you can actually have your employees be very productive while working remotely, and they don't necessarily have to be in a particular city. So there's certainly a shift that is happening, and it will be very interesting to see what practices that COVID has required companies to do to be more to have more flexibility and how many of those actually stay after the fact.
1: Yeah, there there's kind of like two sides of the shift, I think. One is from the individual's perspective and one is from the company's perspective. And I I'm curious with your, you know, experience and background in in recruiting, how, how do you see the levers that, you know, people are looking to pull when when they're looking at their career opportunities at this point? Compensation, mission, culture, and, and what are, how is that changing? And, and you know, in the context of, of Venture for America, how, how do you see people thinking about careers differently maybe than they were before?
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely a shift. I mean, obviously, I spend a lot of time working with hundreds of young professionals graduating college and trying to think about what's next. And in talking to our fellows as they're interviewing with p- potential companies, compensation, I mean, I I think a lot of people are starting to realize this, but compensation is not the number one driver anymore as to what individuals are looking for. It obviously slightly varies, but there's even more so with Gen Z coming into the workforce. Mission and purpose behind a company is incredibly important. Our our younger generations are not gonna necessarily put up with a company that's maybe putting you know profit over Safety or over integrity or impact. I also think that there's another thing that individuals are really focused on is thinking about career trajectory and and having that growth mindset. Um, whereas maybe over the past couple of generations, particularly you know entering the economy when there is an economic turn ta- turn down, which we are currently kind of in, so a slightly different situation as well. But. You know, there's, at times it's also just about being able to collect a paycheck and having the stability and security of a job, whereas now there's this mindset of like, what's my career and how am I going to con- continue to grow as a professional and what's that path look like? I think those are things that are really important to individuals. And then the last thing that I'm obviously in light of all the unrest that has been happening, it's becoming even more of an in- a focus point for the young professionals I work with as they talk to companies to understand like, what is a company's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? And is it a mindset that is being applied throughout all aspects of the business, or is it more of a lip service and a statement and, and nothing more? And I think with our younger generation, that's going to become something that is going to, in some cases really test leadership to really make that commitment and hold them,
2: hold them to the fire. As someone on the job hunt, I a hundred percent back that up.
1: <laughs> so on, on the, on the flip side of that coin, you know, what, what then is it as simple as the companies just, you know, trying to align with, with those levers you see people pulling or what, what, what are the companies that are pulling in the best people doing that other companies? could learn from and do better?
0: Yeah, and I will first off say like, I'm no expert in this myself. I am still learning every single day, but I think first and foremost, you have to be genuine in your approach and and really want to do what you're saying. But I think there are are levers around how you think about building and recruiting your team, making sure that all of your processes you're avoiding implicit bias, you're creating an equitable interview process, you're taking the time and effort to look at talent pools that you wouldn't maybe otherwise look at. You know, there's an interesting, even one example, a lot of companies statistically like referrals are sometimes the best way to bring new people onto your team. But there is also now some companies are actually shifting away from referrals because referrals tend to bring more of the same people. And so if you really want to diversify your talent and open up to other pools, you have to open up the network and the places in which you are trying to attract that talent. And that's just on like the talent front. I think there's a lot of things you think about, you know, who are the the vendors that you're partnering with? What's the culture that you're building? Because it's not just about bringing and and hiring a diverse team, but then actually, how do you make that team feel like they, are, they can bring their full self to the office? And it's an inclusive environment where they can feel comfortable. And so there's a lot of internal practices and culture shifts as well that I think are are going to need to be taken more seriously um, and approached. Those are just a couple examples there.
1: And from the, the COVID perspective, what are some of the things that you think will outlive when life returns to some semblance of normal, whatever that means and whenever that is? What are, what are the trends that it's accelerated that you think are here to stay? And what do you think is, is more just a short-term effect?
0: So I think, Remote work is here to stay. I think there will still be a return to the office, not to the same extent that it it was before COVID. I, I've talked I have another friend who has owns a company out in LA and he's like, I never want to have a physical like pay for real estate again. Like I just I can have my team be wherever they can be productive and like that's so much overhead in my business. Like I can put that money elsewhere. So there are some businesses that are completely changing their mindset, but I think I remember before COVID talking to people who were like, I just want to be able to have like one day where I work from home and have that. And it was like such a, such a fight to try to get your manager to like, let you do that. And now, hopefully, companies have been able to set up the infrastructure to allow someone to be able to work successfully remotely. And hopefully, employees have been able to prove and build the trust that they can be just as, if not more, productive when they're working remotely. So I think remote work is definitely still here to stay. It will look slightly different, but I don't think that is necessarily going away. But I'm sure a lot of people right now are like, I would do anything to get out of my house. Like, can I please go back into the office? So I don't think that's that's not going away, but there might be some shifts in that. In terms of what's just temporary, you know. Interesting, interesting question. I think there's still a we're figuring out how do you build connections and like a community virtually. And so I think there is still something that like you can't replace the bond and the experience you have interacting with someone and meeting someone in person. So I think there's still an aspect of programming, whether it's different like pitch competitions or, you know, events that bring the community together and young professionals together we're trying to accommodate and do as many things virtually but how long are people going to want to like continue attending conferences sitting in their dining room looking at a computer i think i think that's going to going to come back
1: one of the things you know, kind of building on that that i think it's easy for us to take for granted right now is that everything that we're doing is predicated on the fact that we have an internet connection. And we know that, you know, you're spending some of your time right now working to kind of address this problem here in Cleveland, which is particularly not good. So I'd love to to hear, you know, the, the work that you're doing on that and, and kind of more of the, the situation that we, we face here in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The digital divide is real and it's bad, and it's particularly bad in the city of Cleveland. Cleveland's not the only city, but it's it's certainly not good, and I think what COVID has really just exasperated, the, the, how bad a situation is, particularly when you have young students who are now having to go to virtual learning, and they don't have access to the internet, or they don't have a device to be able to do that, and so it's really only going to continue to widen the gap, and so There's been a lot of studies talking in particular about how African-American businesses have also been among the most impacted by COVID-19. And so one of the things that we did when this got started was, you know, in partnership with Cleveland Can't Wait, talking to Justin Bibb, and we were just like, what can we do to help and to make a difference? And so it actually, what began with an ideation session with some of our fellows and, the Mount Pleasant and Union Miles Community Development Corporations, which are both based on the east side of Cleveland, we had an ideation session with them just to kind of understand as a minority-owned businesses, what are the challenges that you're having and what is what impact has COVID had and what are your biggest pain points to kind of understand where there were needs so that we weren't making any assumptions. And then if there were ways that we could come up with potential solutions to help them, we would do that. In that ideation session that took place, there were several kind of key themes and problems that came out. The dig- digital divide and not having an online entity to or identity to be able to indicate to customers that your business is open, these are your hours, these are the protocols that you're taking for COVID-19, here's how you find where we're located and communicating out with your consumers. Um, That it doesn't exist to the extent that it does in maybe another community. Information sharing between the city, the county, the state and understanding like where is there's access to potential funds and, and support and resources is another issue. Um, particularly with the digital divide, if you don't have access to the internet or a device, like how are you supposed to find out about the resources that are available to you? We found out that a lot of these businesses are actually being really significantly hurt by the food delivery services that are they're losing a lot of their profit margins because of the costs that are attached with that. And just being able to like attract customers to their businesses and, and then also a lot of businesses are are experiencing insurance redlining. So you know we we had this session and then from there we're like, okay, well, we don't wanna like, we can't stop there. What what else can we do to to help make it uh you know, help solve or work to improve on some of these problems? So the first thing that we're doing is an initiative called the Digital Land Initiative. And ultimately, it's really a grassroots effort to reach out to the local businesses in Mount Pleasant and Union Miles and see if they have an interest and a need to be connected and and have online identities for their businesses. And if so, like, What types of identities do they want? Do they want a Yelp page? Is it just being on Google Maps? Is it about having a Facebook community for your consumers or whatever it might be? And then from there, we plan to solicit as many volunteers as we can who are willing to donate some of their time to help these businesses create those online entities as well as provide some training and resources so that they can continue to know how to manage and upkeep those profiles to help them be able to continue to attract more customers and, and hopefully grow their businesses. So that's one of the things that, that we're doing. I think there's, there's so much issues with our schools as well. You know, there, I think there's like over 50,000 households in Cleveland that don't have an in-home connection to the internet. There's a lot of work to be done. Those are some of the things working on working on in our spare time.
2: And it takes a team to really execute on amazing initiatives like that. And you mentioned Cleveland Can't Wait and Justin Bibb. What are partnerships in Cleveland like for VFA? And how do you find those that are supportive of VFA's mission in particular?
0: I'm very much in favor of collaborating as much as possible and trying not to, you know, recreate something if it's already been done, or if someone's already doing it well, like why, like let's let's partner. So I think a lot of another, you know, partnership that we've done um, and, and a relationship that's grown over the, particularly this year is with Case Western's um, Veal Institute for Entrepreneurship and really trying to figure out how can we, you know, help our young professionals and students that are in Cleveland understand and learn about the startup ecosystem um, and the different entrepreneurial journeys of diverse entrepreneurs that exist in Cleveland. And so we've been partnering with them to kind of connect young individuals and really anyone, but connect people to learn more about founders who are doing really great things that maybe aren't always in mainstream media. And a lot of like finding those relationships is just, again, it's, Going to an event, running into someone, making that connection and staying in touch with people. And just over time, like the hopefully an opportunity rises where you can, you know, continue to connect. And in a lot of the the events and programming that we're doing now, again, it's about being collaborative. Like there's nothing that's necessarily exclusive. Like all the things that we're doing, I sent emails to Teach for America, the Cleveland Foundation fellows, like engage Cleveland. You know, for anyone that wants to attend the things that we're working on, you know, we want to bring the community together.
1: So you've kind of corralled the Cleveland community in a way that has brought, you know, a lot of these organizations that we talked about today together, starting CLE, Third Frontier, North Coast, Cleveland Can't Wait, a lot more. How do you think that all these organizations who I, I think share an alignment on, you know, the trajectory of Cleveland and Cleveland Entrepreneurship, uh, that that we'd like to go. How can we, you know, bring these organizations together and and do more of that collaboration?
0: You know, I think it's really easy. Probably in everyone in your own jobs within your companies, within your own neighborhoods and your communities, it's like really easy to be siloed and to kind of get into routine and stick to that routine. And so I think part of it is we have to have a little bit of a, a culture shift and change into proactively kind of going out of our way to think about sharing information or bringing other people into the conversations. So I think there's, you know, there has to be an effort. It's not going to happen organically. You know, you have to take the time to continue to do those follow-ups or intentionally try to partner and bring in other individuals versus, you know, I could, I could plan an awesome panel discussion with, you know, myself and maybe some fellows, and it'd be fine. I don't know how much, how wide our audience would be that we would reach. But if I partnered with another organization who has a great network and a great way to communicate out that panel, and we can hit even more people and get the message heard by even more people, like, why not do that? we just have to make the the effort to think of others and to not feel like we all have to do it ourselves. And others also have to be receptive
2: and open-minded to, to trying to partner and collaborate together. All that collaboration has to lead to something great. So what is Cleveland doing well? You know, I think
0: there is it's kind of cliche, you talk to everyone and and people will say, what's the best thing about Cleveland? And there are really, really, there's a strong community here. There are people who are very genuine and they want to help and they want to make a difference. They're supportive. So we we have the right people. I think we've got some core industries here that are, are doing well and have been growing, but I, I think the collaboration we're doing I'm hoping can be done by more others as well. I think there's an opportunity for us to continue to connect corporates to startups and and to be able to have nonprofits partner together or whatever it might be. I think there's an opportunity for us to do more collaboration, to your point, to have hopefully an even bigger impact.
2: And on the other side of that, what do you wish Cleveland could do better? How long is this podcast? I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think
0: there's a couple things. It, that's a it's a broad question, and so if I if I look at from a a startup entrepreneurial ecosystem perspective, I think there's you know this we have some really incredible entrepreneurs and businesses here that. For the most part, I feel have, have kept their head down and continued to work forward. And I, I think we could do a better job really investing in the wins and the good work that is currently happening rather than sometimes feeling like we have to create these new shiny initiatives. Or, you know, I think there there is good things happening, um, like within three in Lakewood, just raise a hundred million dollars. Like that's a huge win. And so that's something that like things like that, like let's learn from what they're doing and let's highlight what they're doing and continue to focus on what's working rather than feeling like we have to build something new. Um, so that's one thing I think from a, also from a just startup perspective, I think we need more risk capital. I think there there's certainly money in Cleveland and there are there are plenty of investment firms but i think really being able to provide the capital to help our companies grow beyond a our startups grow beyond a, a certain point is is going to be critical as well for us to continue to see see growth in that ecosystem
2: you have a great perspective as the senior director of community partnerships at vfa as you manage not only Cleveland but Cincinnati and Columbus as well. So how does Cleveland stand out amongst the the big C's?
0: Yeah, so amongst Columbus, Cincinnati and Cleveland, you know, I'm still I'm still kind of getting to know the Columbus and Cincinnati ecosystems better, but where I see Cleveland standing out is obviously certainly in, in healthcare and biotech. And, and this is kind of thinking about the startup ecosystem more specifically, certainly more success in the B2B space. I think there's there's angel money in Cleveland. I think Cleveland has a ton of current and prospective entrepreneurs. There are people that are great at generating fantastic ideas and an entrepreneurial spirit in Cleveland. And so there's a lot of potential, I think, in, in the community here. In Columbus, you know, there's a lot of insurance tech. Columbus has seen a ton of growth, particularly with firms like Drive Capital that are really being able to invest a lot of money and bring a lot of startups to Columbus. You're starting to see more unicorns in Columbus that we don't necessarily See as much of here in Cleveland and interestingly with Cincinnati, Cincinnati has a ton of accelerators and so that's something that definitely varies compared to what I see in both Cleveland and Columbus and I also see a little bit more might not be the case but I, I see a little bit more of like corporate innovation and and corporates that are have innovation teams or are partnering with startups in in Cincinnati in particular.
2: Yes, yeah, Cincinnati does have a lot of boot camps and accelerators. I've been trying to get with that new me boot camp, but, you know, maybe they'll hear this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think that we have a great idea of how Cleveland entrepreneurs ecosystem differs from Cincinnati and Columbus. Now, can we really learn our favorite question? Uh, we love to paint a collective collage from our guests of what really resonates with them about Cleveland. So what is your favorite thing about Cleveland?
0: You know, I love that Cleveland has really just about all of the amenities that and the extra perks that you would get in a big city that are much more affordable and accessible and and just like at your fingertips. And, and so I think there's a benefit to having, you know, an unbelievable metro park system, an unbelievable theater district, a great food scene, professional sports, three professional stadiums all within walking distance. There's just a lot of things that we have in this city that even some big cities don't have access to. So I think that's something that I really love about Cleveland is if you really make the effort. There's so There are so many incredible things that you can do in the city and along the way meet really incredible people.
2: I believe that. I mean, even though half of my time in Cleveland has been post-COVID pandemic,
1: <laughs>
2: I've been having a ball.
1: It is a great place. If anyone listening is interested in following up with you about the Digital Land Initiative, about Venture for America, uh, what's the best way that, that they could get in touch?
0: Yeah, I would love to speak with anyone. So please feel free to reach out. LinkedIn is probably the best. You can certainly find me on LinkedIn. Anyone can send me an email directly. It's just my first name, carrie, at org. I'm on Twitter, but I don't know if I'll see your DM if you send me something. So I'd say LinkedIn or email are probably the best bets.
1: best. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate having you on today and telling us your story and everything you're working on. It's it's very exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, thank you both for having me. Thank you for taking the time to, to put together this podcast and share share everyone's stories with the community.
1: That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So shoot us an email at layoftheland at upside.fm or find us on Twitter at land at TheTagan or at SternHefe, J-E-F-E. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please email us or find us on Twitter and let us know. And if you love our show, please leave a review on iTunes. That goes a long way in helping us spread the word and continue to help bring high-quality guests to the show.
2: Jeff and I decided there were a couple of things we wanted to share with you at the end of the podcast. And so here we go. Tegan Horton and Jeffrey Stern developed the Lay of the Land podcast in collaboration with The Up Company, LLC. At the time of this recording, we did not own equity or other financial interests in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of Founders Skip Funds and its affiliates or actual and its affiliates. Or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment advice on this show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.